hello and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast. I'm Logan Finney. This week we're bringing you a snapshot of the state's water supply from the Governor's Water Summit, where water users and policymakers gathered this Monday at the state capitol to discuss Idaho water issues. Governor Brad Little gave the opening remarks. If I have a goal today, it is to help us understand the challenges of water in Idaho. Grasp the complexity. Understand the consequences of either no action or simple fixes. What do we need to do to have a better plan to grow Idaho into the future? What can we learn from comparing aquifers with robust measurement and those that do not? What can we learn from the collaboration that we saw in the Wood River Basin? Additionally, we need to learn who all the downstream users and interests are, both consumptive and non-consumptive, power, fish, transportation, water quality. We must address conflicting laws, rules, case law, and constitutional rights. If we aren't all on the same page with these priorities and policies, we risk creating a vacuum for out-of-state interests. What actions will protect Idaho's sovereignty? What actions will jeopardize Idaho's water sovereignty? Most of our Western neighbors have other states, federal courts, federal regulatory agencies, and Congress meddling in their water rights. If we don't control our own destiny, one of those entities will. As has been Idaho's past, we will meet this big challenge if we all work together. Those comments were echoed by Lieutenant Governor Scott Bedke, who emphasized the need for sustainable water supplies as the state continues to grow. Uh, This is all about sustaining Idaho's resource. You know, we, in everything that we do, our constitutional mandate is to sustain uh, and to to maximize our long-term return uh, to the beneficiaries of our state's resources, and that's to its citizens. And so sustainability is our watchword. It doesn't matter whether we're uh, managing our our trust lands, our forests. We we don't let this generation take from the next generation. And that's uh, that's provided some pretty good biological resources. It's it's created a a state that we all love and uh, that we love. It's the best state to live, to work, and to raise a family in. Problem is, is we've been discovered. And now everybody wants to live, work, and raise their family here. And so that, uh, but we live in the arid west. Just because we're growing quickly doesn't mean they're going to give us more water. And uh, so we've got to make better use of the water that we have. That includes uh, all of the things, all the managerial uh, practices that that we all employ in all the other venues of our life. Technical hydrologist David Hakama with the Idaho Department of Water Resources gave an overview of surface water and drought conditions over the last several years. When we talk about the water year in Idaho, that's really the year we're looking at for water supply. And that starts at the beginning of October, um, which is when snow begins to accumulate in the mountains. Because as we, uh, most of us realize, after having lived in Idaho for quite a while, our summers have very little precip. and So we depend on that snow accumulating And as it melts out of the mountains and fills the river systems and the reservoirs, that becomes our water supply for the year. And so the water year starts on October 1st, 
and ends on September 30th. So in order to understand kind of where we're at this year, we need to look back in time a little bit. And so if you all remember, we had 2017, which was the snow apocalypse. We had, we had no drought for the most part in 2019. 2020, um, the Northwest began to be impacted by drought, but Idaho mostly avoided it except on the Big Wood and Big Lost Rivers in that region. And then in 2021, we had a pretty good snowpack in the mountains, but then we had the driest spring on record since 1924. And that really, you know, turned the colors dark red across the Pacific Northwest. And the Palouse in Northern Idaho was particularly hard hit. Thankfully, because we were coming out of a period of good water supply, the reservoir system was pretty strong in 2021 and it helped pull us through that drought year. If you go to 2022, we had a lot less snow in the mountains in 2022, but we had this really wet and cold spring. And that really um, helped get us through the year. And it, on the western side of the state, um, in the Boise Basin, we actually recovered from drought and had a little extra carryover at the end of the year. So if it brings us to where we're at now, again, this spring and this winter, we had a continuous system of storms coming into the state. Um, especially in the south. Um, and so the southern part of the state has recovered from drought, but the rest of the Pacific Northwest is, is in drought and Northern Idaho is seeing some really low runoff conditions or stream flow conditions. Department of Water Resources hydrologist Dennis Osley gave a snapshot of the groundwater in the different aquifers across the state. Okay, let's start talking about aquifers. We're gonna start in North Idaho and then work down. There's three basins, the Raftrum, Moscow and Lewiston. Let's first start on the Rathdrum Prairie Aquifer. This is the second largest aquifer we have in the state. It's a sole source aquifer. It provides water to over half a million people. Majority of those people live on the western side of the state line, which um, Spokane, the Spokane Valley. This water discharges into the Spokane Valley where they use it for potable water source. We have a model built for this area. It is a sole source aquifer because it's the only potable water source for that area and all the communities rely on this aquifer for their drinking water source, as well as there's some farmland down around the Rathrum area for agricultural. And in general, the precip and the contribution from the lakes up here allow the aquifer to create stable aquifer conditions. You can see the last few years in this record, it goes from 1970 to today. And the last, we have a few dips in the, in the downward trend of that hydrograph, like David said, the last couple of years up in northern Idaho have been a little drier than, than usual. But in general, the water levels are doing fine in the Rathrum Prairie. If we move down 80 miles down to the Moscow Basin, here we have two aquifers, a shallow and a deep. Um, the shallow system is primarily used by the domestic users, and the deep system is used by the University of Idaho, City of Moscow, WSU and Pullman. So there's a lot of use going on in the deep system. And unfortunately, it's been in a declining pattern since the early 1970s. This is a hydrograph from a monitoring well that we drilled up there. And it only goes back to 2006 when we drilled the well, but you can see there's a distinct downward trend in this, in this hydrograph. And this again has been occurring since the 1970s. Um, unfortunately, this is not a groundwater management area. Um, there's been a ton of research done on this aquifer with both universities being up there. But unfortunately, there's just not a lot of surface water to recharge this aquifer. There's a lot of dry land farming. It grows world-class weed up there, but the precipitation is locked up in that good soil and used for farming. So the recharge to this system is, is very limited. So more work needs to be done in Moscow. 
Lewiston, if we jump down 30 more miles to the Lewiston area, we have the Clearwater River flowing from west to east, or east to west, and then it merges with the Snake River here by Lewiston. This is a very, very complicated aquifer system. There's multiple layers um, that interact with different things. We're seeing declines in pretty much all the different um, layers throughout this basin. Um, there's been some recent work going on up there, and it sounds like the new um, ideas may be to look at surface water rather than groundwater as a sustainable water resource up here. I'm going to talk about the Treasure Valley and Mountain Home in more, more detail, but I wanted to point out that we have a management area down here, the Bruno Grandview area, where we have a deep geothermal aquifer system that's been in decline for some time. We have a, a Blue Gulch critical area over here along the Swan Falls track. We had seriously declining wells in the 70s. Um, management efforts were imposed, and the aquifer trends are doing much better down here. Um, and then you can see all the dots we have up in the, what we call the West Central area. It goes up Highway 95 and down Highway 55. Um, we know developments occurring in these areas, and we'd like to have some sort of baseline information to allow managers and, and decision makers to make the right decisions with regards to the water resources. Even though we don't see problems now, it's good to have the data. The Treasure Valley and Mountain Home. So let's start with the Treasure Valley, where we are here today. It is a basin full of sediments. It's very complicated basin full of sediments. It sounds really simple, but it's not. Um, there's just many, many layers of sand, silt, and clay, mostly clay. In addition to a complicated um, hydrogeologic setting, we have three awesome reservoirs. We have Lucky Peak, uh, Arrow Rock, and Anderson. I point those out because they are critically important into what's happening with our groundwater resources. Every year this valley is flooded through surface water diversions from those reservoirs, and it has been for over 100 years now. We have wells in this valley that just naturally flow. You don't have to put a pump in and water just flows out. And that are, those are mainly occur along the Boise River from about Eagle downstream, and then we have an area south of Nampa that also we see artesian conditions. But as you can see, I didn't even have to put the canals on this map, and you can kind of see where the groundwater has been mounded up over the, over the course of flooding this valley out every year. Um, this is, we've just recently built a groundwater flow model for this basin, and it hopefully it's gonna answer everyone's questions regarding management. But in general, the, and I'm gonna say in general is my weasel word here, aquifer levels are doing pretty stable in, in the Treasure Valley. We have seen some areas south of town where there are declines, but that's kind of expected. Surface water has never been diverted out here. And just north of Eagle is also an area of some shallow, persistent declines. Okay, let's move east a little bit down to the Mountain Home Plateau. Um, and now this is a map of the change in water level. This is not depth of water, but this is how much the water level has changed in the last 20 years. Go over 112 feet, and then we have one well, one particular well that's, that's stable or rising, but all the rest of their declines. And again, it's 100 feet in the last 20 years. That's, that's rather significant. I just wanna point out that the water levels were fairly stable and fairly close to one another back when the monitoring began. But then again, as the, the groundwater development occurred, the water levels have responded significantly. And similar to Moscow, we just don't have a lot of surface water out here to recharge the aquifer, and so it can easily be overpumped. Um, it's rather significant. We have the Mountain Home Air Force Base down here, the city of Mountain Home, and then again, all the, all the farming that's going on out in the Cinder Cone area. 
So we have a, a ongoing study. We're drilling some new monitoring wells and trying to collect as much information as we can to help provide a, a potential solution. Okay, and that's gonna conclude the Western region. Now we're gonna to move to our final regions, which are the Southern and Eastern regions. There is a lot going on over here. Um, we don't have time to talk about them all, but just wanted to point out a couple of the other areas that we have work going on. We have a, a critical groundwater area down here, um, the Curlew Valley, Malad, the Bear River, which David mentioned. Um, I'll talk about Oakley. And then again, the tributary basins of the Eastern Snake Plain Aquifer are important because they provide water to that aquifer. And we need to know how much is coming into the, into the aquifer. We have a lot of work going on up in the uh, Lemhi and Pissimeroi basins. Those are um, efforts re um, related to the Salmon Recovery Acts up there. So as you can see, we have a lot of monitoring going on. We're gonna start with one basin on the north side. This is the Wood River Basin. It's a fluvial aquifer up through this portion. It's just directly related to snowmelt and river runoff. But as you move down to the, the Bellevue Triangle, there's a deeper aquifer system that exists down here. And this, this aquifer is very important, not only for the farmers that pump out of it, but it also discharges to Magic Reservoir and Silver Creek right here. And both of those surface water features are fully allocated and people use the water downstream. So it's important to see the contribution from this aquifer to these surface water features. And so the change map here ranges, the reds are only four feet, and then we see a couple areas of decline of, of a foot. And you may think to yourself, well, we just saw Mountain Home that declined 100 feet. What is four feet really? How is that important? But if you look at the correlation of four feet of an aquifer level over here, it will correlate to tens of twenties of feet of discharge in surface water over here. I think for this particular well, it's about 20 CFS per foot of decline in that aquifer. So that's why it's really important to, to regulate the groundwater resources in this particular basin to help stabilize or maybe increase the flows in Silver Creek and Magic Reservoir. Um, unfortunately for the farmers out on the campus, it appears that the same kind of conditions are occurring over here with Magic Reservoir and their, their aquifer. Let's move one basin to the east. This is the Big Lost Basin. This basin has probably created more headache for the department than many of the basins in this department. We have our own rules to regulate how water is managed in this basin. That's how, that's how interesting it is. And it has had problems over the past. This is the largest tributary basin to the Eastern Snake Plain Aquifer. So Mackey Reservoir is up here, town of Mackey, um, Moore, and then Arco is down here. Water flows down and then discharges into the Snake River Plain. In the last 10 years, we've seen declines in all the wells. But from about more downstream is where we have really, really serious um, water level decline issues. Um, the river and the aquifer in this basin are directly connected. So it's, Im it's important to try to keep the river flowing as well as keep the, the aquifer stable. And I'll show you a historic hydrograph here that goes back to the 40s. This is a great record of, of what's happening up here. And I added a blue shaded area on this graph that represents when water was flowing in Arco. So that means the river was flowing all the way down through, at least down to Arco. And that is rather significant as you can see in the aquifer conditions. So here's the 2017-18 good winter that we had and we had the river was connected for two or three years, after, two years afterwards. And you can see the aquifer responded 30 or 40 feet just from those, um, that one season. So. 
you can see kind of the history here. We had the flood irrigation going on, which helped keep the river flowing for a long time. And then as sprinklers became more and more common, pumping became more and more common and the river was able to break. And uh, now we're in these situations where it's only flowing on really good water years versus historically it would flow all the time. All right, let's jump across the entire Eastern Snake Plain to one of the, the tributary basins. This is gonna be the Raft River. We're gonna look at this one. This is one of the oldest critical groundwater areas we have in the state. And again, this is another change map that's showing um, declines from 70 to a rise of 17 feet. Um, there's not many good features to point out. If you know the basin at all, the town of Malta is right there. But the Raft River is not a very big river, and it usually does not flow all the way out to the Snake River. And then again, all the agricultural development up here is through groundwater and the hydrograph is representative of what happens when we just pump the aquifer and it doesn't get a lot of recharge. It's not as bad as Mountain Home, but again, it's it's not a good situation and it's been going on since the 50s. Let's move one basin over and this one's a little bit better, unfortunately for us. Um, I know at least one person has some interest in this, in this basin. This is the Oakley Basin and it is a critical um, groundwater area. <laughs> And um, you'll see that we have blue and red on this map, which is pretty cool. This is the reason I wanted to add this basin because it kind of shows some positive results of some management efforts. Again, the changes are, are from 84 feet of the decline to I think that says 79 of a rise, which is cool to see a rise. We have groundwater management efforts going on in this area where they're importing Snake River water and injecting it into wells and then sending it down into the aquifer through that. And if we look at a hydrograph, you can see the, the result of the management work that's going on down here. So we have fairly stable, if not rising water levels through the 60s, and then they start to tank out for a while. And then about here is where the, the injection well work started occurring. And you can see the response in the hydrograph and it is bringing it back up to where it was. So this is a, a nice, positive note to put into a pretty gloomy presentation. So there is hope is the goal or the point of that. Finally, the one that probably everyone wants to hear about the most is the Eastern St. Plain Aquifer. This is our largest aquifer by volume, by legal <laughs> issues, by economic driver to the to the state. This is by far our most significant aquifer we have in the, in the state. If you're not familiar with the Eastern Snake Plain Aquifer, these are all the tributary basins feeding to it. And it generally flows from up near Yellowstone down to where it discharges in a thousand springs complex between Twin Falls and Hagerman. All the water flows down this way, discharges into here, into the Snake River, and then downstream. Millions of acres are irrigated through the, on this aquifer through this water. Again, all the cities um, on this map rely on this water. So it's, it's again, I can't emphasize how important this, this aquifer is to the state. And the goal this year was to measure every one of these wells in the first two weeks of April. Unfortunately for us, we had a robust, well, Fortunately and unfortunately, we had a lot of snow this year and it made it extremely challenging. We were only able to get basically from about Burley downstream done in those first two weeks and the rest of the plane fell into the final two weeks. And the only reason I tell you that is because most of the snow that fell this winter was still on the ground or up in the mountains when we measured these wells to make this change map. So I am very hopeful that next year when you see Mike's change map, it'll be more reflective of the this wet winter we had this last year and we should see more, more greens on this map.
The Eastern Snake Plain was flooded through the, the development of canals and flood irrigation. The aquifer and the springs responded up until the 1950s. Power became readily available in the 1950s. Wells started being drilled. More efficient irrigation practices began to occur and have been occurring ever since. And you can see the aquifer and the, and the spring discharges have, have taken a, have responded through the change in irrigation practices. And here we are today, um, we're down into the, getting close to historic conditions. You can see the good winter we had in 2017, 18, got us a little bit of a blip there. Without that, we may be approaching, you know, a, a, new, a new era of, of water levels. This information in much more detail is available on the Idaho Department of Water Resources website at idwr.idaho.gov under the Water Data tab. We envision this to this statewide summit to morph into regional summits where you can get and drill down into the granular level of all of all of this data as we go forward. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another podcast, and you can find all of our coverage online at idahoreports.org. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Hi, I'm Marcia Franklin, the producer and host of Dialogue. For more than 25 years, we've been bringing you conversations that matter. More than 150 of those conversations are with writers, and now you can take them with you wherever you go, while you're walking, around the house, or in the car. Just search for Dialogue with Marcia Franklin on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms, and remember to subscribe so that new shows download automatically. Enjoy.